What a great weekend. What a great, great weekend. I have had a great weekend. And it goes beyond Arsenal winning 5-0. Don't want to get too deep into it because you just want to hear about Arsenal. But I'm having so many great weekends. And of course, Arsenal are mainly responsible. Thanks for tuning in to another one of my podcasts. I'm enjoying podcasting. I'm enjoying writing, watching and dreaming of what might happen in May. Oh my, this is just good stuff. Well, let's get started here. Got a few things I wanted to talk about, see if we can get this done in 15 minutes. Well, first of all, uh, sliding doors moment of the game, I think, was the uh, block by Ben White. That was 1-0. And I'm probably overrating Nottingham Forest's chances of staying in the game if they score in that moment. Uh, but, of course, emotions change the games and maybe Arsenal just get angry and thump them 5-6-1. But... Um, Either way, that was a huge mistake by Gabriel and a massive piece of brave defending by White. So, girls, you want to come and say hello to the podcast? Hello, podcast. Sorry, Dan. That's okay. (laughs) Go eat your Taco Bell. Uh, Thank you. Okay. Bye, girls. Bye, everyone else on the podcast. All right. We'll include that. Why not? My two daughters have just been to Taco Bell, which is the worst restaurant in America. So true, actually. So true. I don't know why you'd spend your money at Taco Bell. Uh, Okay, all right. Let's get back to Arsenal. Well, uh, the positive that I wanted to talk about was the fact that in the second half, of course, we don't know what happened in the in the changing room, but I wonder if they were encouraged to play to their strength. And considering the fact that we were top of the league before this weekend and they were bottom, you know, it's, it's obvious that our strength is that we're better than them in every area, playing better than them, and we can take a little more risk as far as numbers in attacking areas, be a little braver with our choices on the ball and movement off the ball and be a little less concerned about defending against Nottingham Forest at home. So I just think that the resurgence of Arsenal playing a better second half was about playing to the strengths of the players, the weakness of the opponent, rather than the emotion of the game. You know, as they came off in the... Uh, first half, the last 20 or so minutes were sloppy. Uh, And, you know, previous Arsenal would have likely thrown this away and it would have been a draw or one of those horrible losses like at the end of last season against a far inferior team because the game was getting a little too emotional and Nottingham Forest were getting encouraged. So rather than wallowing in the fact that you're not playing very well and sitting in the changing room and wallowing in the fact that this is going wrong and that's not right. 
the mentality just needed to shift. We're a superior, superior team in every area. We're playing well enough recently to beat Nottingham Forest at home and we needed to be braver and we needed to go for it. And if it turned into a basketball game where they got to break down the other end occasionally, a little more often perhaps, and uh, they had some chances, let's gamble on the fact that we have better finishers, we're going to have more chances, and the more we score, the more discouraged they will become, and that is something that's underrated. People don't talk about that. When you score in sports, one or two things happens. Some of the time it fires up the opponent to come back, but most of the time there's a period of discouragement that they go through. And you watch that game back, which I haven't yet, I'm sure you'll see that the more goals we scored, the more discouraged Nottingham Forest got. And the more they looked like they had zero chance, not even 5% chance of coming back into that game. So I applaud Arsenal for playing to their strengths in the second half. I think it was as simple as that and not playing to the emotions of the game. OK, so the, uh, the need that I wanted to bring uh, out was uh, Thursday's game. Thursday's game is a really interesting event, isn't it? Arsenal now are in a position where there's a... Um, of course, there's a large benefit to coming first if you aren't aware of the change in the rules... Of course, the Champions League teams who finished in third place in their group are still coming down to the Europa League, but rather than just being dumped in a group with the rest of us, they have to go through a playoff to get into the Europa League and they play against all the second-place teams in the current Europa League. So um, not only would we have to play a playoff game to get to move on in the Europa League against a Champions League team, but that's two more games in what will end up being the most crowded football season probably in the history of English football, maybe even in world football. And we don't need that. We need a break when those games are going on. And so it's important that we win this game. We have lost the privilege of being able to draw the game. Um, but uh, there we have it. So I guess my point, though is team selection. Do you play your second team against Zurich, who've got nothing to play for, um, and put your first teamers on the bench, which we've done in some of the games? Do you play your first team? And your first team playing like this would dispatch with them quite easily. But is that a risk not worth taking with the Chelsea game coming up? Um, when your second team, quite honestly, should be able to comfortably beat a Zurich team that are playing for nothing, that may not play their first team? Um, or do you go for, for a mix? Uh, I would do the latter. I would go for a mix of second team and first team, which I think is what he will do. For example, I think Vieira will play, and of course he's a second team player, um, you know, Tierney, I suppose we can put him in that bracket as well. Um, and Ramsdale looks like he might have to play because Turner, I think, is still injured. And I think Sambi will play. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if they play Sambi in the eight position, in Xhaka's position. Um, Xhaka, of course, 
got a pretty hefty kick in the game yesterday. Um, and I'm wondering if they'll play Thomas Partey for security and play Sambi, but of course play Sambi in Xhaka's position with Vieira on the other side and put Odegaard on the bench. Obviously, Saka's probably likely not going to play, even if he was fit. Uh, I'd love to see, of course, Nelson out there. I've just talked about that in the blog. That's just really important to keep his confidence rolling. I'd be perfectly happy with Eddie up front, and I think that's what will happen. And Jesus as an option on the bench. And I think maybe Martinelli will play. Uh, the back four, I think he's been rotating between Saliba and Gabriel based on who's played the most minutes. And Holding's done very well in the Europa League. And I think it'll be Holding plus one. Um, with, of course, you've got Tierney. And then um, likely Tommy Asu, who's played less m- minutes than Ben White. So that's a fine team. Um, and I think that it's going to look something like that. Uh, and Arsenal really need to try to dispatch Zurich early and squash any of their hopes and not worry if Zurich go ahead and leave us 80 minutes to get back in the game. We have the solutions, whether it's on the field or on the bench, and we understand the importance of winning this game and what it's going to mean. And then alongside that, I also wanted to say the whole theory of resting players isn't necessarily scientifically proven I don't think I've done the science but um, you you often see teams that have had a whole week to prepare that lose games against a team that's only had a couple of days and I think rhythm has a lot to do with that if you are on a roll and you're playing games and you're playing well and you're in that rhythm then and you're playing a home game against Zurich which likely won't be a particularly high intense game then the fact that you played in that game in some regards, isn't that more difficult, that much more difficult than a training session on that day in, instead of a training session? Training sessions can often be more intense than games, depending on what you're doing, but they often are. So, you know, uh, just wondering, just wondering what's going to happen. But I do think that that, um, and I trust Arteta, I think that's going to be super interesting as to what he decides to do with that whole thing. Um, okay. Now, when we go to Chelsea, I'm hoping that we go at Chelsea. My memories in the recent past have been happy. I'm sure yours have. We've had some good results at Chelsea, some wacky results, uh, high-scoring games, uh, lots of basketball games back and forth. But I say we go at them. And I say we go at them because we have to sometimes look, or in fact, we always, we as coaches, I suppose I'm thinking, but you always have to look at how the other team views you. <clears throat> People think that you spend all week preparing for the other team, but they're doing the same thing for you. Well, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm looking at Arsenal and thinking, this is not the team we really want to be playing right now. This is not really the best time. Well, they're not in fantastic form, but we just won 5-0. We're top of the league. We're looking pretty imperious. And this is going to be difficult. And so I would imagine that's their mentality coming into a game. That's not the strongest Chelsea team we've had over the last 15 years either. It's probably one of the weakest ones. So I think that you get into the, their mindset. You try to figure out how, um, how they are going to feel about us. And I think that they're going to be somewhat intimidated and, uh, and impressed by Arsenal. So I think that you have to take that and pour that into the first 20 minutes of the game and tell your players 
that you have to use their impression of you and capitalise on it um, by uh, showing them that you're as good as they think you are. I think that's super-duper important, um, and I did want to, to mention that. Before we go, um, I'm going to mention a few names that have come to my mind in regards to uh, January transfer window. I'm actually watching the semi... Is it the semi-final? I think, no, I think it's the final of the Eastern Conference MLS. This is Philadelphia against New York City. Um, so Philadelphia against Manchester City's uh, C-team, or whatever New York City are. They wear the same kit and they're owned by Manchester City, I think so. And it's, a, it's an interesting game, and it looks like Philadelphia are about to win. But I wish I sort of would have been paying more attention when I was in Orlando this summer. When we played Orlando and I was at the stadium, we were, uh, we were rather good that night. But there was a player on Orlando's team, and I asked uh, Max tonight who the name of that player was before I told him that Arsenal have just been linked with uh, Facundo Torres. And he told me it's Facundo Torres because the kid knows every footballer who's ever lived. And I said to him, well, this report here is saying that we're going to try to wrap up a deal for him next week on Friday. I don't know if it's true. Who knows? But then I sort of regretted not paying more attention to him. He was the guy who actually scored in that game against us, and it was a really good goal. So anyway, we jumped on the YouTube, and we've watched him. And he reminds me of Saka, really. If you're wondering what kind of player he is... Very similar. He's a he's a right winger, similar similar stature. Of course, I don't think anybody's quite as muscular in his, their upper body strength and shoulders as Saka in in the world of wingers right now. Uh, to his credit, but he's a inverted winger, uh, left footed right winger, similar skill set. Slows players down, can go left right, but chooses to go left more than right. Um, got a really good eye for a pass and assist, and certainly got a good eye for goal. Got quite a decent goal-scoring record, even though it is in the MLS and the Uruguayan League. And he plays for Uruguay, so he'll be playing in the World Cup. And so I'm wondering if the rumours of Mikhailo Mudrik at Shakhtar, because they've been amped up to the point where their president now wants, he's saying close to £100 million for this player. And of course, there's every big team in the world is now wanting him. If Arsenal are looking at the midfielder position and thinking... I'm not sure if we can go big, you know, and spend close to, you know, 150, 200 million on two players. But let's go big on one. So what we're going to have to do is find a gem, a diamond in the rough, I suppose, uh, and spend a Martinelli amount of money on one of those positions and then see if we could go big on the other. And, of course, wingers, cheap wingers are going to be easier to find than cheap elite central midfielders. I think that uh, there are gems around the world that play on the wing, quite a few of them. So I think that these reports might well be true, uh, which leads me to consider the thought that uh, my friend Peter Lagrove mentioned today on Twitter, which is that Arsenal have shown interest in the past in Declan Rice. And I'm wondering if, if that's sort of what's going down, is that you know Declan Rice is going to be 100 million, uh, I would around about that number, uh, perhaps a little less than he's been quoted at, a little less than that based on the fact that I think he's got one year left on his contract plus the option of one. So 
if we are going to go spend a club record fee on a player in the summer, like Declan Rice, who is the closest thing to a guarantee um, of improving your squad and a, a player guarantee as far as um, trust in their performance in the Premier League, then, you know, he's, he's a fantastic player. He would get in any team in the world, I would imagine, and he's going to be alongside Harry Kane, England's uh, first player on the team sheet in the World Cup. Um, so I'm wondering if that's a strategy, spending less than £10 million on Facundo Torres and going big with your money on Declan Rice uh, as a defensive midfielder um, and then maybe allowing Charlie Patino to come in slowly into the squad as Granit Xhaka is phased out due to age in the next few years. Um, wondering if they're going to do the whole Phil Foden thing and keep him sort of hanging around, getting minutes here and there. Patino as a rotational option for Arsenal before um, putting him in there as a full-time player. I've got a feeling that that might be what happens with Charlie Patino. But anyway, go check out Facundo Torres, plays for Orlando City and Uruguay. And looks like a very interesting player. Um, and if I was to choose a non-Arsenal player, in actual fact, he looks like Anthony at Manchester United. Again, just a very similar type player without the ridiculous, um, annoying, highly frustrating spin move thing that Anthony does all... He's going to get kicked in the air, isn't he? He's already a meme. The other person I wanted just to bring to your attention that you may well know about is Maldini. Not Paolo, uh, not his father, Cesare, and not the son either. Um, this is a, a Maldini in Arsenal's academy, and I can't pronounce his first name, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, and I think I might have mentioned him on the blog before. But when I watched the Inside Hale End um, uh, series, he was the one that stood out to me. A really quite impressive uh, defender. And I think he stood out not just because he was impressive physically and quite dominant at that level, but because when was the last time Arsenal produced a centre-back from their academy to go on to big things? You know, it's been a while, right? And I don't know. Gosh, it's late here, so I'm going to say it's Tony Adams was the last one that went big. Um, but if our academy has struggled in any area, it's been producing defenders... And so I encourage you, if you haven't watched the Hale End documentary, go watch it, if not just simply to, to watch this guy Maldini. Um, very interesting player. Well, had a great weekend. Had a great weekend with uh, friends in, in Louisville, um, watching a friend play, getting to the, the final uh, of the USL, uh, spending time with his family and taking some young men up there and getting to meet all the players and all the fun things you get to do when you've coached a player who's made it to the highest level. Um, so lucky and privileged to have that opportunity for my son and his friends. And we sit in a great place. And so I'm looking forward very much to the opportunity to podcast and blog again after the Zurich game. And uh, I hope that my sinus issues aren't too annoying when you're listening to me and the squeaking upstairs and this... Um, not quite perfect studio thing that I have going on. Thank you, guys. Cheers. <laughs>